The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. While the actual Olympics are now in question, the underwear Olympics are underway in Indianapolis. Hey, Pick 6 listeners, it's producer Debo here to get you set up for our bonus podcast featuring the best of our Tuesday interviews from the NFL Combine. The following interviews were first seen and heard on CBS Sports HQ, the free 24-7 streaming sports network available on the CBS Sports app, Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, Fire TV, and more. I hope I did that half as good as Brinson. You can tune into HQ for Combine coverage all week. Now, on this episode, you'll hear from top quarterback prospects and high-profile pro coaches. First up, the guy who, according to himself, is considering retirement because of his tiny, tiny hands. Ryan Wilson, Danny Cannell, and Tommy Tran chat with presumptive top pick, despite those nine-inch mitts, Joe Burrow. Presumably, the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, joining us here. You just got up done with the big crowd saying, you know, you're not going to not play. You're going to play whoever drafts you again. What's it going to be like when that time comes that you're going to be able to be in the NFL? I'm, that's what I want. I'm, I'm super excited. You're ready, right? I'm ready to do it. You know, I, we had we had the great year. I'm tired of talking about the great year. I'm ready to move on. We won the national championship. It was great. We celebrated for a week. And then after that week, I was ready to move on. Through this process, we were talking about evaluating all the quarterbacks before. And during the process, a lot of coaches, they might, we were talking to some tight ends, and they said, hey, they wanted to go over some film of my drops. And I do like to try to evaluate games where guys struggle to see how they respond to it. I can't find a game from this past season where you struggled. Maybe a throw or a play, but not a game. Do you have a game that you felt this year was, like, lesser or that a, a team would challenge you and say, what happened in this game? You know, I felt like, you know, I really prided myself in not making the same mistake twice. And, you know, the Ole Miss game, I threw two interceptions. First time I've done that since I was 15 years old. Um, so you could look at that game uh, with the turnovers. But I really prided myself on not letting the mistakes that I made snowball and just relying on my preparation. I make a mistake, go back. What did they do? You know, you could you could dwell on it or you can think about it critically and think about what the coverage was, what mistake you made, and then fix it on the sideline. So we were just talking to Justin Jefferson, your teammate at LSU, and he said Joe Brady was instrumental in the offensive changes, and I know you, you've probably talked about that. And I know you've answered this question, but I talked to Lloyd Cushenberry, your center at the Senior Bowl, and he thought the thing switched for you last year in the bowl game. when You took the big hit, brought, the, brought LSU back uh, to win that game. For you, when did the switch happen? Because it seems like this just came out of nowhere, but I think it's there's more to the story than that. Yeah, I think everyone wants to point at this one moment, and this was the turning point. I mean, it, that's just not realistic. You know, I worked really, really hard for a long time, and it was a gradual buildup. I hadn't played for three years when I was the starter last year, and I was, so I was still learning how to play the game. You know, in practice um, for three years, you don't want to take sacks, and you can't make plays because they'll blow the whistle dead, so you throw the ball away. So that's what I was doing at the beginning of the year. Um, and then, you know, towards the end of the year, I started making plays with my feet, and I remembered that I could run the ball and scramble and make plays outside the structure of the offense. Um, so it was a gradual buildup to, to what happened this year. 
we were joking earlier when we started this morning about the the news that you had nine inch hands and what is I think you handled it perfectly by making light of the situation. I personally think it's a joke. Like I was telling these guys, you should have a sign that just says "Watch the tape." Like yeah. that's all you have to do. But when you work out for teams, what do you want to show them? Is there a, is there a weakness that you want to show? I mean, I want to show that I have, you know, a, a, the arm strength of an NFL quarterback. That's kind of always been my thing from high school to my early years at Ohio State um, and then to this year everyone's kind of knocking my arm strength but I feel like you know I, ha- I have the arm strength to be able to play in this league and play at a high level so uh, I'm sorry Tommy do you want to no go ahead Ron. I want to ask you about the Alabama game and then the Clemson game uh, at the end of the year in terms of the, the defensive players you face the Teron Diggs for example the Xavier McKinney uh, on Alabama and also Isaiah Simmons uh, can you talk about how you uh, worked around those guys because those are obviously the the big parts of those defense, especially uh, intermediate and, and secondary down the field. Yeah, Isaiah Simmons, he's he's one of a kind, man. He's really really special, and he, I mean, I always had to know, know where he was going to be. You know, he lined up middle of field safety. He lined up as a pass rusher. He lined up as a nickel corner. He lined up outside. I mean, he was everywhere. He's going to be special. One more thing when you are preparing for the event. I know you say you don't like talking about last season, but everyone's going to kind of nitpick stuff, though. At the end of the day, with all the measurables and the physical stuff, it's going to be how you process NFL defensive schemes. How much, and again, going back to your time with Joe Brady, having NFL concepts help you make that transition to the NFL, hopefully in a few months, obviously. I think the best thing that happened to me was I played in four different offenses in my five years of of college. and something that I've always been really, really good at, even when I wasn't the starter, was processing um, the defense and reading my keys, reading the safety, reading the rotation, seeing the blitzes, making the protection calls to get those blitzes picked up. So that's something I've always done really well. It was a process to get to the physical tools that I needed to to play at the level I did last year, but I've always had the mental side. All right. Well, I know you're busy. Appreciate the time as always. Best yes, of sir. luck this week, and uh, we'll look at for you at the draft. Appreciate Absolutely. it. If Joe Burrow was the top combine storyline, then Tua Tonga-Vailoa, See what I did there, Brinson, is number two. Our same HQ crew talked with Tua on Tuesday. It is our pleasure to have Tua Tonga-Vailoa here on the HQ set. We had him three weeks ago at Radio Row down at the Super Bowl as well. And so I want to start with this because we had Henry Ruggs just with us here. Mm-hmm. And Ryan was talking about how underrated your deep ball throwing is. So I'm curious to know, do you guys ever have a time in practice where you're trying to overthrow Ruggs? Because you know he can run fast. Ever happen out there when you guys are in Tuscaloosa? I don't think I've ever overthrown Ruggs, <laughs> but I in in a game I, I've overthrown him only because he couldn't see the ball in the sun. <laughs> yeah. So I overthrew him twice, and it's it's very unlikely that you <laughs> throw someone like that. I like how Tommy softened you up because I'm sure the question you've been getting from everybody is your health. Like, how's your yeah. hip? Are you annoyed yet of having to answer that question? Uh, no, I mean, that's, what's been that's, the go-to? It's 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 going good. Everything's going well up to this point. You know, I've I've done a lot of my MRIs yesterday, and then we got to meet with the team doctors today. So I'm, I'm not too worried about any of that. So Tua, can I ask you about Steve Sarkeesian and what he brought to Alabama's offense? Because it felt like a lot more pro concepts, a lot less read option, and I feel like that's going to serve you well in the NFL. What what was your takeaway from playing in that offense last year? Well, you know, Coach Coach Sarkeesian brought. Brought a lot of what they ran in the NFL to to our offense. He he added you know little tweaks here and there, um, but there wasn't too too much of a change um, as far as how we went about doing things. I guess you could say it, it's been different because of who he is as a as a play caller. You know, it was different from when when we were under Coach Loxley. 
and then when we were under Coach Dable, they all have their tendencies of what they they like to run um, certain situations and how they like to go about doing doing things um, as far as preparing for a team. Um, but I mean, he's 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 been a tremendous help, you know, for for me and the guys in the quarterback room this past year. Obviously, you know, you want to get healthy first, but when you're able to throw, what do you think you want to showcase? for teams that are thinking about taking you? Is there a spot that you think you need to show that they haven't seen yet? I feel I need to show everything. You know, I just want to go out there and leave leave nothing nothing on the board. You know, I don't want to make an emphasis the deep ball and then the coaches are are saying in the back of their head, well, I mean, why 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 wasn't he throwing short routes? So I, I just want to be able to go out there, do everything, um, you know, and, and just try to impress the guys. So you measure six feet, which is it's not an issue anymore, thanks to Kyler and Baker and Russell Wilson. So that's that's tall. So you're good there. But I wanted to ask you, playing in the SEC and facing the teams you faced, we know about the LSU game, what a great game that was. What were some of the toughest defensive players you faced, whether a cornerback or, or guys rushing you up the middle, uh, that that you recall from last season? Well, it, it was it was probably the the LSU team. You know, looking at their personnel, they. They were probably the the best team that could match up with our personnel as far as skill wise, receivers, um, and our and our you know O line. So in that aspect, they they stacked the box. They forced us to to throw. You know, they forced me to beat them with with my arm, and you know, it, it, it was tough. It was tough. Justin Herbert is a polarizing prospect that could be the third quarterback off the board. He joins us to complete the 2020 QB prospect trifecta. Justin Herbert joining us with Danny Cannell and Ryan Wilson. We just heard from, from Joe. He's got a big crowd in front of him. You've got uh, you and your other quarterbacks, too. You guys got in on Sunday. Take me through uh, Sunday through now. Yeah, so Sunday we, we arrived, had dinner, uh, got some time to spend with the other guys and, and jumped right into meetings. So we, we met with some coaches um, pretty late into the night, got some sleep, uh, woke up early and, and started the whole process over again. How has the prep been from the minute you guys win the Rose Bowl? Does it start the day after and it's a flurry of, you know, everything you're going to have to go through, the throws, the lifts, everything? Yeah, it, uh, it started pretty quick. It was two days after, actually. So I, I, I took two days <laughs> there off. There you go. And, uh, went home and spent some time with my family, had some fun there, and uh, was off to Orange County, California. So uh, it's, it's been busy, but it's been a lot of fun, too. So, Justin, are you willing today – to admit that you will play for the Cincinnati Bengals. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't answer that. We talked at the Senior Bowl, and you said the big thing that, that teams wanted to see from you that week was leadership. I think you accomplished that. You had a really good week. You were the MVP. Thank um, yeah, thank you. It, it was a joy to watch you. What are you? What are you hearing? Any feedback on the the leadership thing you were talking about? Are there any other things that NFL teams want to see? Because we know you can throw the ball a mile. You're really athletic uh, for six six two thirty eight. What what are NFL teams talking to you about right now? I think leadership's another thing. Uh, you can always get better at that, and and that's something that I felt I took a step forward at the Senior Bowl, and um, I thought we had a really good week that week, and um, you can always get better though. So it's it's always about taking steps forward and, and getting better. When you hear that, does it bother you? Like the people would question your leadership. Like as a quarterback, you're a leader by nature just because of the position. You're calling the plays. The ball's in your hand every yeah. down. Does that bother you when people question that? Yes and no. I, I would say within our program, the guys at the University of Oregon would, would support me in, the, in that decision. And um, it's not for me to, to make up the opinions of others. And um, I'm going to do my best to, to win games at Oregon. And I feel like we accomplished that. And we did some really great things this year. And um, I think the rest comes with that. So the opinions of others will, will come with our hard work. Now let's take this moment to take a look at your stats from last season with the Oregon Ducks. Again, you guys finish off the year strong. 
you guys get to the Rose Bowl and you guys get that uh, time in Pasadena where you guys get it done. 66.8% completion percentage, the 32 passing touchdowns, and also the four on the ground, which we saw on full display uh, in that Rose Bowl game to end the year. So as we continue the conversation with Justin Herbert here, Justin, when you are starting to sort of prepare for this you mentioned being down in socal a lot of guys in there and we're also taking a look at your senior bowl stuff um how different is it going from being with coach cristobal in oregon and, and really a team you've only known now with new guys and new players trying to showcase yourself yeah it's a fun experience you, you get to go out there and, and play some football with some of the best best players in the country and um you know being under center for the first time was something i had to get used to and had never taken a snap under center for previous to these two these two months of training so uh it's been a lot of fun and, and new experiences but uh it's a learning experience. You're throwing, right? Yeah. So Thursday. how do you prep for the throw? Like, you pretty much know all the throws you're going to have to make, right? What's mm-hmm. the biggest challenge, you think? The fact that you're going to be throwing to guys you've never thrown with before? Yeah, I think the timing's going to be difficult. These are guys that you've never thrown with and, and have never really spent a whole lot of time with. Um, and so you got to kind of figure out what they're doing. And um, I think just as long as you're showing your best stuff, capability, and uh, doing as, as well as you can, I think uh, you can't go wrong. So, Justin, there were some people like to say that the Oregon offense didn't necessarily fit what you would do well at the next level. A lot of runs, a lot of screen passes. Uh, how do you feel, uh, how will that translate for you going from that offense to maybe a more NFL-ready offense in terms of what you'll be capable of in terms of showing people, okay, this is the Justin Herbert that we've been waiting to see? Yeah, a lot. that's a great point. Um, a lot of our stuff, we did have some checks at the line of scrimmage. Uh, a lot was, was on me to, to flip protections. Um, so in that aspect I, I feel pretty comfortable and um, a lot of questions have been about that so I feel uh, pretty comfortable ask, answering those and, and things like that. Justin we know you're busy man certainly appreciate the time thanks for stopping by CBS Sports HQ good luck the rest of the way. Now the Chiefs will not be drafting Joe, Tua or Justin they're pretty set with Patrick Mahomes thanks to Andy Reid. Pete Prisco caught up with the newly crowned champion coach on his life post Super Bowl. All right, Andy, it's uh, been a short time, but has uh, your life changed on that night as a football coach, I imagine, winning the Super Bowl? Well, it's good. I've gotten a couple free meals. <laughs> um, it's uh, It's been good. I mean, I locked myself down in the office uh, a bit, um, but I, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the whole thing. So it's uh, it was a great experience with great people. And, um, you, know, I, 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 you know, I were talking before a little bit, but... You know, it's funny because you, you, you're on teams that have won 221 games. That 222nd one uh, changes things just a bit, which is pretty amazing. Um, but, I, I listen, I've enjoyed every bit of it, yeah. Coming here as a Super Bowl winner, what's that been like for you with all the other coaches and personnel guys and, uh, you know, GMs and stuff? Oh, the guys have been great. I mean, like, you know, the, the NFL is a tight group, and so, um, you know, the guys are all – uh, they've all texted me before this, but just a shake of hand here or there has been, you know, tumbling. Um, but you also understand the strength in the fr- of the fraternity here and how much guys care about each other. And and so I, I appreciate that maybe more than anything. When do you put last year in the rearview mirror and start worrying about this year? Well, we kind of did it right away. So I had a chance uh, the Friday after the Super Bowl, flew out to California, take a deep breath, and um, relaxed on Saturday and then right back in it on Sunday. So uh, we're, I'm on the Madden committee or the coaches committee, uh, which is a subcommittee of the competition committee. So uh, we, we jumped right back in and had to get ourselves ready for the meetings that we have down here. 
So there wasn't a ton of uh, backup, and here we go. We jumped it right into scheme eval and uh, did that. So uh, the combinations kept me busy. When you get your players back, what's your first message about doing that exact same thing? Well, I left them with that. Um, you know, the, the process is always important. We always preach that. Um, they, they have the schedule. They know it, and uh, they know what to expect and uh, how they can budget their off season. Uh, to get themselves back and, and going. And, uh, and so I think part of it's being organized and being up front with the guys and then their love for playing with each other. I, I think that's a big thing. And they, they enjoy the game is what maybe I enjoyed the most about them. They, they, uh, there were no, it wasn't an up and down issue, uh, during the year with them. They, they, whatever you told them to do, they, they were going to do and do it a hundred miles an hour. Andy Reid got there and won it this year. Sean McVay got there and lost the Super Bowl last year. Tuesday morning, he chatted with Pete, Ryan Wilson, and Tommy Tran about the Rams' path to get back and more. Twin our CBS Sports HQ set alongside our draft analyst, Ryan Wilson, senior NFL writer Pete Prisco, and the head coach of the L.A. Rams, Sean McVay, joining us here. So, Sean, the story's been that you guys were going to come pretty thin staffing-wise, but you're here, Les Needs here. You yeah. guys have a presence, so take me through what uh, so far it's been like for you at this combine. Yeah, so so really, you know, what we did was we just left our, our two new coordinators back where they're able to still, you know, look at a lot of the college film, uh, evaluate these players, but then also kind of get a jump on on some of the schemes that we'll implement this coming off season with our players when we get them back in the building. And so we had a lot of continuity with our position coach and to be able to empower them, let them go through the process that the last couple years have entailed, kind of how we want to operate and what that looks like, uh, we feel like is the most beneficial approach, and, and that's kind of what we've done. Sean, as a head coach, what leads you to make the changes at the coordinator position? Yeah, really, I think in a lot of ways you're saying, all right, let's evaluate what we think is in the in the best interest of the, the team and, and really how we move forward. And, and that's that's really what it looks like. And uh doesn't mean that they're always the easiest decisions because uh, we've done some good things over the last couple of years and, and guys that, that we ended up moving on from were instrumental in a lot of that success. But uh, you evaluate everything. You have an appreciation for what those guys did. They really establish a foundation. And then uh, when those roles open up, you say, all right, let's try to find the best guy to, to come in and, and be a part of. Uh, a lot of the continuity that we do have and, and ultimately bring some value to the table. So, Sean, the Rams don't pick until 52nd because they trade the first round pick. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey, as you know. Uh, you can say you have needs maybe along the offensive line, maybe an edge rusher. What is your mindset? What is Les's mindset this week as you come here? And there's obviously free agency to worry about, too. It's a great question because really when you just look at the way that the offseason flows, part of what our needs will be will be predicated on are we able to re-sign our own free agents? What does it look like if there is any sort of uh, activity that we pursue outside of re-signing our own guys? And then how does that open up some potential things that we need to address in the draft? So what this week is so beneficial for is continuing to accumulate information about these players, uh, getting another way of evaluating them, whether it be the on-field work or some of the interviews that, that, they, that take part. But um, really that's what this is. You're just still accumulating information, and then how our plans unfold are really how the offseason goes, and, and a lot of it is a, a result of, okay, if we can't do this, we need to make sure we address it, but we do have plans in place, and ideally uh, you'd like certain ways um, that we end up having the free agency and the draft to play themselves out, but you got to make sure you have contingency plans as well. Sean, was it 
tougher coming off a Super Bowl loss getting through last season than you even expected it to be? It was different. You know, I, I think really, you know, when you have three years of experience to draw on now, you know, each year is a learning opportunity for you. Um, you know, what you realize is that, uh, you know, you got to do a great job of, of looking at yourself, making sure that you know that other people are looking at that film and, and they're going to have ways of trying to defend you differently but um, or really attack you, you know, from a defensive standpoint. So I, I don't know that I would say it was tougher, but I think last year was a great learning opportunity opportunity, uh, excited about the opportunity to try to respond, and, and that's what we all want to do as competitors. And you don't get to the postseason. You've talked about how reinvigorated, rejuvenated you feel. How much do you think you'll be different as a head coach just with this offseason as you prepare for what is arguably one of the toughest divisions in football? Yeah, I think, you know, really you look back and you say, all right, what are some of the things that we've done a nice job of? How can you not lose sight of some of those foundational principles? Being more present with the players, continuing to make the relationships the priority, and uh, if you really say each year a new year, you know, let's let's make sure you approach it like you did when you first got in here. Uh, and then when you say reinvigorated and re-energized, I think when you get some guys in the building, uh, along with the guys that we already do have, you know, there's a good competitiveness amongst our coaches of, you know, continuing to learn, trying to evolve, adapt, try to really create our edge as a coaching staff. And those are things that get you excited because you get a chance to really dive into, all right, what are some of the things that these other teams did a nice job of? Does it fit for us? And, and ultimately, we're all just trying to get better every single day. Tommy talked about the division and how good the division is. A lot of it has to do with the young quarterbacks and then Russell Wilson. I think is still sort of youngish. But you guys have a quarterback in Jared Goff. I wanted to ask you, um, have you seen anything like what Joe Burrow's been able to do? Because it, it's he was good last year. He's fantastic in 2019. Obviously, you guys aren't drafting a quarterback. But just to see that from your perspective and know that this is going to be a kid coming into the league and sort of the expectations that come with that. Yeah, I, I love the way that he's handled himself. And, you know, to say I've really dove into the tape, you know, from a true evaluation standpoint wouldn't necessarily be accurate. But I think you see enough of it, whether it be even just seeing on TV and then watching some of the stuff that they did in the SEC championship and the two games in the college playoffs. Uh, just really impressed with his command. You know, and I thought it was really impressive to see, you know, because they had so many situations where they're getting five guys out there and empty. He's able to really see the field. You can see he's got great big field vision, but I thought I was, uh, you know, extremely impressed with just the way that he was able to avoid, create off schedule, win some guys, whether it be from Clemson or even in Oklahoma. You know, guys get through there. There's the ability to say, I got to move and manipulate the pocket or create off schedule. And I think the ability to extend plays, then while also being able to make plays in rhythm, get the ball where the coverage dictates was, was really impressive. And, um, you know, I, I think he's, he's going to be a really good player in this league. Sean, did Jared Goff regress last year? Because there's a perception out there that he did, um, and he didn't play as well. Did yeah. he regress? What I think what happened is is our offense regressed. But then what I am really, you know, I feel good about is if you look at the last, you know, third of the season, those last five games, he played his best ball, and I think that coincided with our offense having good production, where you're scoring up in the thirty point range, and you know, you're seeing production that's more consistent to what we had seen in years past. And so, what I love the most about what last year did is it was a great learning opportunity, but for him you saw him respond from some adversity play best uh, down the stretch and I think that's where he can draw a lot of confidence I know I certainly have a lot of confidence in him as we move forward and now having three years of experience together uh, we'll be able to use all of that information as ways to say all right let's make year four our best one yet so is it a matter of simply the, the biggest issue is to solidify the offensive line on the, that side of the ball and also defensively what is the is the plan in a post Eric Weddle world 
Yeah, so so I think really with the offense, you know, it's about, all right, let's make sure that we've got enough versatility to be able to feel like we're always in attack mode. And I think we got a lot of young offensive linemen that got some great experience last year, guys that we feel like have bright futures with us. Um, so that's something. But but then you say, all right, well, with the left tackle position, you know, do you re-sign an Andrew Whitworth? He's a guy we want to be able to get back. If that doesn't work itself out, then what are your plans after that? But um, that's an ongoing evaluation. With the defense, you know, Eric Weddle was such an instrumental part of it from a communication, a leadership. Um, and, and he had a great career, you know, Hall of Fame caliber type player. Uh, really loved getting to know him. He, I learned so much from him. But we do feel really good about John Johnson watching Eric and how that will enable him to really step into a leadership role. Uh, he's got all the skills and the, and the traits that you're looking for from that, from that safety position. And, and really, he's been a movable piece for us, even going back to what he was able to do at Boston College. And I think you're going to see him uh, really take, a, take a, a big step in the right direction of becoming a real, uh, you know, a real big-time player for on defense. Back to the offense, Todd Gurley, uh, he didn't have the type of season I don't think that you expected, I don't think that many people expected. Where is he health-wise and, and what do you expect from him? I think he's season? feeling good. You know, I think, you know, any of these things, Pete, are a result of, you know, the unit. And I think, like, offensive linemen can sometimes be unfairly pegged for sacks, uh, running backs with just the run game production. And we, we truly believe, and, and I believe, that it takes all 11. And, um, you know, a lot of it starts with, you know, making sure that I'm doing a better job of activating some different things things to keep people off balance uh, like I think we've done in, in years past and uh, you don't want to get stale or stagnant but I think you know you want to make sure that you get him feeling good get him into a rhythm and when we're able to do that you know we're always at our best offensively all right appreciate the time Sean okay. I know your time's a little bit short with the abbreviated but we uh we certainly appreciate it and best of luck for you in 2020 Thanks, all right guys appreciate that McVay pretty much a grizzled vet at this point Matt Rule one of the newer coaches to the block Ryan Wilson swaps out for Jamie Eisenberg in this interview with the Panthers' leading man. Thanks very much. We're here on our CBS Sports HQ set. Jamie Eisenberg, Pete Prisco, and Matt Rule, the Panthers head coach, joining us here from the Combine. Uh, you've been asked once or twice about Cam Newton today. What have you been telling reporters? You know, uh, that I'm unbelievably excited to coach him. And, um, you know, I've, I felt like it was important to come here and, and really uh, talk about who he is and what he's been doing in my limited time with him. I mean, you see a guy who who is rehabbing like crazy to get himself back, a guy that's committed to being a great player, a guy that does elite things in the community. And as I've gotten to know him, I've really enjoyed him. And so um, we have to do our job as an organization to make sure that we help him get healthy and come back and, and hopefully attack this fall, you know, as, as strong as he's ever been why leave the college game to go to the nfl for this organization well i felt really good about this organization sitting down with you know david tepper sitting down with uh, marty herney i felt like you know at at the end of the day to me everything comes down to vision and if we all see things the same way we have a chance to be successful and the way i naturally see things was the way they did and so i knew that it it would be a great fit i had a great job at baylor i mean i was going to probably be successful i had an eight-year contract i was making a lot of money my family was happy but, you know, this is an amazing opportunity to be an NFL head coach and to come to a place like Carolina that's, that's never won a Super Bowl. I mean, you talk about having a, a chance to leave a legacy. I, I saw that and saw other men that were committed to doing it and said, let's give it a shot. I, I don't think you take this job with Christian McCaffrey in mind, but I'm sure the allure of having a player like that is part of 
what the allure of this job is. Can you just talk about the chance to coach McCaffrey and what you plan to do with him building off of that season that he had last year, 1,000 and 1,000? Yeah, I mean, not many people have done what Christian McCaffrey's done. And um, when you have a chance to meet him and get to know him, you can see why. His work ethic, his leadership, I don't know if anybody's taking care of their bodies the way that he does, which is why he's been able to answer the call game after game uh, for so long. So uh, I'm really excited to utilize him. We hired a great offensive coordinator in Joe Brady who's really creative. And I think, you know, uh, the things that Christian's done, we can only continue to build on and utilize him all over the field. And uh, we have, you know, great weapons in DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. And so to, to have another guy like to have those guys and Christian move all over the field, I think is is really going to is really going to allow him to be an even more explosive player in the future. Where is your tie to Joe Brady or are you just a fan of his from watching him at LSU? You know, um, Joe, uh, Joe, way back when, when he was at William and Mary, they came and visited us at Temple. And I think he was a defensive coach at the time. And then um, uh, get, getting to know him at, when he was at Penn State just a little bit. But I've just kind of stayed in touch with him over the years and got to know him a little bit. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the way they did things. And not just even so much of what they did at LSU, but coming from New Orleans, coming from, you know, Coach Payton's offense, the things that they did, the way he was able to tailor that to LSU. I said, you know, let's let's go send a message that we're gonna we're gonna be really aggressive. We're gonna maybe do things maybe just a little bit differently, and hire Joe, but also hire a really experienced staff around him. You know, Brian Angelico, many years been with Mike McCarthy and a lot of great coaches. Pat Meyer, a great offensive line coach. So, just felt like we were gonna hire a young guy in Joe and put some really good experienced guys around him. Talk about what what you said a little bit earlier with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, and, and maybe throwing a guy like Ian Thomas as well, replacing Greg Olson. You have some pretty good skill players there, and especially in the passing game with those th- three guys. What do you think they can do going into twenty twenty? Well, you know, you know, DJ obviously had a great year statistically last year, and uh, Curtis has tremendous speed, and you know, he was used in a couple different ways, and so I think that you know, sort of the, the thought process we have is just, just to be really multiple and versatile, and find guys who are sort of positionless players, and that's what Christian McCaffrey is. Uh, that's certainly what Curtis Samuel can be, and so um, we're not wanting for weapons, and so we're going to continue to try to expand those guys' roles. And, and, and as you said, Ian Thomas is uh, is a guy that hasn't really seen the field a ton, but watching the film, we feel really good about what he. Can can do and the roles that he'll provide moving forward. The run defense last year was just awful, and that's putting it kindly. What do you do to try and fix that? You know, I, I think it's just a step-by-step process. You know, it's hard for me ever to comment on what was wrong because I wasn't there. You know, they also, they also had 53 sacks, so, you know, it's just sort of like this balancing act. I think for us, we're just going to put our defense in. We're going to, you know, train our guys the way that we do it and um, uh, just believe that if we just do that over time that we'll be, you know, we'll be a really good run defense. And so um, right now the best part of that is just, you know, coming to the combine, making sure we find run stoppers and guys who can make plays on defense, get into free agency and then in the draft. So, but, you know, we can't spend too much time thinking about, you know, what would happen in the past. We have to just trust our systems and, and move forward. We got to wrap things up here, man, but you talked about what we do and you have your experience in the NFL, but now you go from, Going in college where you're helping players get to the NFL and now being in a position to find those prospects to fit your team. What's the approach and what's your process like, especially as we get ready for this week? You know, just try to be really disciplined, you know, not taking anything for granted. Um, you know, evaluation, you know, it's not just about what a player can do. It's also about who he is and how he fits. And so uh, I really enjoy the interview process, the informal interview, the formal interview, just even walking around and seeing players. I think you get a great feel for who they are. And I think if we find the right people who are also really good players, we'll have a great locker room and a 
a great team. And so I, I take this process very seriously. Um, and I know our scouts do, and I know our coaches do as well. And people will talk about expectations. Do you set some for yourself as you get ready for 2020? Yeah, I think we're too far away from that right now, to be quite honest. I think right now my expectations are really about this combine and then the offseason program and then the draft. Um, you know, I, I haven't even met all the players yet on the team, so it, it'd be hard for me to start making a bunch of, you know, predictions or comments. I just know that right now the, the team's going to be built through the draft first, and so we have to make sure we do a great job at the combine. Fair enough. Certainly appreciate the time. Enjoy it. We're still joining us much. here on HQ with Pete Frisco and Jamie Eisenberg. Matt Rowe joining us here. Back to you guys in the studio. And last up on our interview slate for the day is Jaguars head coach Doug Marone. Questions courtesy Tommy Tran, Pete Prisco, and Jonathan Jones. Joining us now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Marone, along with senior writers Jonathan Jones and Pete Prisco. Pete, you're Mr. Jacksonville. I'll give you first word Used here. To be. Doug Used too. to be. You miss <laughs> it? I think still is. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. The I'm weather? In Fort Lauderdale. I don't miss the weather. Fort Lauderdale weather's better. Oh, okay. Yeah, a little warmer. Uh, the whole process last year, the way it played out, you come back. Were you surprised that you were brought back? Um, I don't really look at it at that way. You know, I just think that, you know, if you start thinking, am I coming back? And I, well, then your focus is off what your job is. So my focus has always been, uh, you know, for the players, the coaches, the fans, obviously the organization. So, you know, my job is to make sure you're getting the best of these players every single day. And that, you know, decisions that I'm not involved in, whether I come back or not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to do the best job I can, uh, because that's what I owe those players and those coaches and the fans. The decision you will be involved in is what you guys do at quarterback. I won't beat around the bush. I learned yeah. to get to the point from Pete Prisco over point. here. What are you guys going to do at quarterback? Yeah, right now we feel, I mean, it's not a bad situation. I mean, you got two guys that have shown that they can they can play, that they can win games. I think that, you know, both, both quarterbacks will come in. I think that, obviously, you know, Jay Gruden, we've hired to be our offensive coordinator, so we're excited about that. Um, you know, we'll look in, we'll look at both quarterbacks, we'll evaluate what they do well schematically, you know, what they like to throw. Uh, our run game will be our run game, you know, obviously what we're doing with the, with the running back. So, um, you know, both players will compete. I, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong in that. I think that, you know, you go in there and you compete and, you know, hopefully, um, someone will, will, will change themselves, you know, or separate themselves and, and that the team can see it. Someone always says, they, I got always the question, like, you know, when do you make that decision? Well, there's, there's not really a date and it's not really going to happen until we start playing, you know, in the preseason because, you know, for me at that position, one of the things that's, that's important, along with really every position, that the players can see who the best player is. You know, the players want to make sure you have an obligation to the, everyone in that locker room that you're putting the best player out there. So um, that that goes into it, too, where, you know, you make decisions when it's very clear and everyone can see it, uh, whether it be coaches, scouts, and players. The anticipation, then, to be clear, is that both of those guys will be going into training Absolutely, care. yes. So who takes, I not make myself? who takes the first snap? I mean, we've done different things where you go in there. Sometimes we're it can trying be to get to years. that. By the way, yeah, it can be years in a league. But but at the end of the day, you alternate who takes the first snap each day. You know, because and it's a shame that you have to go through it. But everyone will look at everything. You know, what I'm saying everyone will be looking to see. You know, obviously both players have got to go with. You know snaps with the first team so you're gonna have to be able to put it in there you know who takes the first rep i don't i haven't put a lot of thought in that yet doug once you do pick a guy is he the guy then that he's going to play because sometimes when you have a quarterback controversy whatever you want to call competition one guy 
get the job, and then he's looking over his shoulder in week three at the guy right behind him. Will yeah. you pick a guy and stay with that guy? Well, I think I think that that's a problem that comes in. I think if you're looking over your shoulder and that's causing you not to perform well, you know, then then obviously there's problems. I think that you know at any position you have you have to make a decision of what's going to be best for your football team, what gives you the best chance to win. So. You know, it'd be like saying, hey, listen, you pick your left tackle. You know, if you pick him and he's your left tackle, you're going to go with him? Well, what happens if that left tackle's not playing well? What am I, what am I going to say? Well, coach, you said you're going to stay with him and you're going to go with him. What about the other guys on the team? You know, how's it, how's it affect everyone else? So for me, you know, now are you committed to that person? Yes, as long as he's doing everything he has to do for us to be able to win at any position, yes, I'm committed to that player. You know, but hey, listen. If if there's a little bit of a struggle, are you still committed to that play? Yeah, we're going to try to work him out of that struggle. There's no doubt about that. You know, my philosophy is, hey, you got a receiver and he go ahead, you know, early in the game and he drops a football. Well, let's get to that guy right away. You know, let's get him going right away. Now, if he drops another one, hey, there might be another shot, another one. Then hey, mate, today's not your day. You know, let's do something different. So, um, I think I don't want people to read into a lot. Yeah, you're going to pick a guy and you want to stay with him. But you know, if there comes a point if he's struggling, you're going to you're going to support him. But if there comes a point where, okay, now, listen, we've got to do something because it doesn't help us give us a chance to win, then you make a move. When you talk about looking at everything with the quarterback situation, but then also your team, obviously the, the Jalen Ramsey deal gives you guys an extra pick here. How do you think you guys will tackle, you know, you're here evaluating some of the talent, getting ready for the draft in Vegas? Yeah, I think I think we'll go through the evaluation process first. So, in other words, we'll look at the players, we'll look at the list, we'll look at free agency, seeing what, you know, where we can fill and we make ourselves better. Um and then I think I think a lot of times then you just wait until you get there to, to draft day. I mean you don't you don't really know. You can't say, well, we're going to do this. Well, if you're going to do anything, you need somebody else to do it with. And right now those conversations really aren't aren't going on. Before we get to the draft, though, we have free agency. Obviously, rewinding the clock to a, a difficult thing when the the NFL Players Association came out with the statement about the the fines that the club had been imposing on players, and you know at the end of the statement warned uh, potential free agents about if they want to go to Jacksonville because of this what what have you guys done over that since that time and how are you trying to uh tell agents or potential free agents about what a what kind of place jacksonville is well I, i'm one of the few guys that have that that you know, obviously i was part of the nflpa and i was one of the ones that went on strike in in 1987 you know and lost whatever we lost three or four game checks you know and gene was the guy and head of the union and you know so so i've always been you know, a guy to make sure that our players understood what the rules were. Because I'd, I'd get upset, like, you know, hey, listen, the, the PA is there to protect you as a player. And and trust me, I, I know about it because I was a player. And don't all of a sudden use the PA when things are going bad for you and you need them to come in. Make sure you know the rules and what's going on and, and, and be able to change it. So, you know, I've always been a, a huge proponent of that. And then I have an open-door policy. I mean, I have no problem with them coming in at any time and doing it. And, you know, DeMaurice Smith, I tell him all the time, hey, you want to use the meeting room? You can do that stuff because, you know, you want a good relationship, obviously, with them. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's you just have to keep proving it every day with our players. I think if you ask our players or if you ask anyone where I come from, you know, as far as what the union means, you know, I, I have a great deal of respect for them because I, I've been a part of it and I know what they do and they protect our players. Is playing two games in London a challenge for you as a head coach? I think it's a challenge for everyone. I think it's a challenge, you know, uh, 
probably for our fans first and foremost. You know, when you take two home games and, and you go out there, and you know, so I understand and and I feel, um, you know, the challenges, you know, for them. You know, especially the ones that obviously can't afford to come out and enjoy the time out in Europe, and you know, and then we have a pretty darn good fan base in London too. So I'm sure they're excited. So you understand where they're coming from, and then the business side of it. You know, we want to be able to sustain Jacksonville. You know to hold the NFL football team, you know, the Jaguars. So, you know, we're hoping that, hey, listen, this is not going to be a, a long-term thing. It'll be evaluated each year. Um, but if that's what you have to do to stay, because I understand the business challenges, you know, that we go through as an organization. So, you know, I understand what our players, I understand what our coaches. So I've got a, a pretty good feel of how everyone feels about it. And then, hey, what can we do? Well, hey, listen, you know what? We can have a heck of a year and then maybe at the end of the season get ourselves in a position where we can have another home game. You know, I mean, that's what I can do. You know, that's what I can control. And then for our players, I understand it's going to be a challenge for them to be away, kind of like if it's a West Coast trip. You know, we're going to be away for 10 days. You know, but it's it's a little bit more challenging when you're out of the country. So, you know, my focus to make sure I'm going to make it as good as I can and comfortable for our players so that they can focus on the game. And the same with our coaches. So, you know, there, there are a lot of challenges, and, and I feel everyone, you know, what, what they have to go through. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to excited about it and we're going to make it a, uh, hopefully an advantage for us. All right. Doug. Well, certainly appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of the week and uh, good luck in 2020. So, Thank you so much. Doug I appreciate it. Us here on CBS Sports HQ. If you made it to this point, thank you for listening. We'll still have our normal episodes breaking down the latest from the Combine, but also stay tuned for these bonus interviews throughout the week. And do the download, subscribe, five-star, follow thing, and we'll chat soon. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.